welcome to Return to Regalia, an Underland Chronicles reread podcast. I'm Una. And I'm Nate. Nathan, welcome back to the pod. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's been a while since you've been on. Yeah. A few episodes. You're back and you're here to talk about your favorite character. I am here to talk about Rip Red. And right off the bat, I just want to say I think that rat is hot. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, coming out of the gate strong. I needed to be said before I lose my nerve. upfront about what this podcast is right like this episode is going to be right like if you if you're not if you're not here to hear me talk about my love for this fictional rat then you better leave now (laughs) but please don't please stay (laughs) no that's good that's a good little disclaimer thanks rip red is hot you heard it here first Okay, yeah, let's dive right into these chapters and meet this big, beautiful rat. Yes. So where we last left off, a giant rat with a diagonal scar across its face just appeared out of the dark. And then chapter 19 starts with Henry, Luxa, and Merith jumping up to attack, but Vicus tells them to stand down. The rat is amused. He says, Yes, stay you, or I shall be forced to move, and that always puts me in an ill humor. Very first line, like, I mean, I guess this is the second line, but Uh (laughs) just, like, sarcasm right out the gate. Right, he's ready. He's been laying here thinking of lines to use on them. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh, I'm gonna show him what for. Henry ignores this and lunges, so the rat simply flicks his tail, and with a crack like a whip, Henry's sword is knocked out of his hand. The rat philosophizes, The hardest lesson for a soldier to learn is to obey orders he believes are wrong. Which is actually a very relevant theme of the book. And just, like, kind of raw with the advice immediately. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm here, I'm old, I don't want to move, here's some old wisdom right right he's like can we get this war on already or yeah like, can we do this quest no yeah this is very relevant to the book because this theme of like a soldier has to obey orders he believes are wrong it comes back especially in the final book when gregor is struggling to fulfill a more traditional soldier role but it also relates to characters like hamnet and dr naviv who did terrible things because they were ordered to and then lived to regret it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's really in line with like Rip Red's Rip Red and Vicus's pragmatism. Rip Red, Vicus, and Solovet, they would all agree on this. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to hear Rip Red bring that out now. The rat tells Henry, take care, lad, or you shall end up like me, stripped of any respectable rank and warming your shabby old hide at the fire of your enemies. And that's definitely the worst thing that could happen to Henry. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Okay, yes, but also, I promise I won't quote every single line of Rip Red dialogue, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. even though I want to, but I think these first few sentences he says are extremely well written. Just, like, some of the best writing advice that I've seen is that every character's first line needs to be an encapsulation of their character. Yes. And I think that what Rip Red says to Henry here is a perfect introduction to who he is. Just in these three opening lines, we've learned so much about Rip Red. We've learned that he's old, and he claims he hates to move, but he can do so very quickly. Yes. He's snarky, but he's also deep and philosophical. 
He's been, quote, stripped of any respectable rank, implying he used to be a soldier of some kind, but not anymore. He considers the humans his enemies, but he's deigned to accept their hospitality in this instance. Damn. There's a lot here. Yeah. Yeah, and then it just keeps happening. Like, the rat greets Vicus, and Vicus introduces him as Ripred and invites him to dine with them. He sits down next to Solovet, and the two exchange friendly banter. Ripred remarks on how Solovet came out in person to meet him with a war going on. And I wonder if seeing Ripred really is the only reason Solovet came along. That's true, because she leaves right after this, right? Yeah, the adults have to leave because they're not actually mentioned in the quest. I guess Solovet had to, like, come along to talk war plans with the bats, too. Uh-huh. But, like, there's no reason that she really had to come. Like, they needed to get the kids out to this spot to meet Ripred, but, like, Vicus could have done that, because Vicus is the one who arranged this meeting with Ripred. Yeah. Like, Solovet's just like, well, I'll have a nice little trip, I'll see my old battle buddy. Yeah. But then um, Ripred thinks that she only came to get information out of him. Oh, right. Which I think could also be true. And he says that she's just here to gloat about an old victory. (laughs) Solovet confirms that she kicked his ass back then. (laughs) And Ripred blames the loss on his soldiers. So in these lines, we're learning that at one point, Ripred and Solovet were on opposite sides of a fight. Right. But now they're like joking like old friends. Which is so interesting because it could be either like just they've gotten over it or it's kind of like the generals of the armies who don't fight and won't die and don't care as much who dies, you know? Yeah. Like, like the higher ups can always chum amongst each other. But I, I feel like it's more just like they're on the same side now so they can joke about kicking each other's asses. Yeah. I feel like Solovet and Ripred have probably switched back and forth between being allies and enemies uh-huh. a lot of times. And they're just, now they're just like... It's like, okay, yeah, currently we're allies, but like at some point in the future we might be enemies again. Nice. And this is just our relationship. Enemies to lovers to enemies to lovers. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> just saying. They have some chemistry. Oh my god. Vicus is right there. <laughs> and he has no idea. I can't believe you're doing this on my podcast. <laughs> you were warned. I did. I did invite you to be here. <laughs> anyway. Boots comes over and asks if Ripred is a mouse, and Ripred tells her, Yes, I'm a mouse. Squeak, squeak. Now shoo, shoo back to your little bug friends. When Boots doesn't react, he bares his teeth and hisses at her, and she runs off. Gregor tells Ripred not to scare her, and when Ripred turns to look at him, we get this description. The rat turned his glowing eyes on him, and Gregor was shocked by what he saw there. The intelligence, the deadliness, and, most surprisingly, the pain. This rat was not like Fanger and Shed. He was much more complicated and much more dangerous. Fucking raw. Yeah. I love the descriptor complicated. Mm-hmm. Like, Gregor just looks at this guy and he's like, yeah, he's got some issues. He's got issues. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. And I and I love that, like, that Rip Red's first interaction with Boots is, like, being 
scary to her in a way that I don't think like people have been rude to Boots, but I don't think anybody's like tried to scare her. Even Henry, when he threw her to the bats, was like, this will be fun. Right. And but Rip Red's the first person who's like not trying to protect her from like the horrors of a rat being mean to you. Very true. And Gregor just immediately does not take Rip Red's shit, which I love. And you know Rip Red respects it. Yeah. Like, he doesn't say it. Yup. I think it's a great description of him. And I like that this narration notes the pain in Rip Red's eyes. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not sure that Gregor is fully comprehending what that means. Like, Gregor is understanding that Rip Red has a lot going on, but he's not thinking fully of, like, where did this rat come from in terms of, like, how did he end up here? Right. Like, he's still very much seeing him as one of the enemy for this whole chapter. He doesn't, even when he's, like, moderately polite, he's still like, he's a rat. Yeah. Rip Red remarks on how much Gregor resembles his father, but Gregor just tries to keep his voice steady and tells him again to not scare his baby sister. Rip Red comments on how she's got more guts than all of them combined, but he attributes this to that same saying we heard from Merith earlier. Courage only counts when you can count. Rip Red looks at Luxa, Henry, and Merith, who are still keeping their distance, and asks why they aren't dining with him. Vicus admits he didn't prepare them for the rat's arrival, but this doesn't surprise Rip Red, and he starts scraping his teeth on a bone. <laughs> That's like the rat equivalent of peeling an apple with a knife. Yes! <laughs> to show that you're evil. Yup. To show that someone is a snarky jerk. Yes! You give them an apple or a bone to gnaw. Yeah. Vicus introduces him formally as their guide, and everyone's too shocked to respond until Luxa finally speaks up, saying they won't travel with a rat. Solovet reminds her that the prophecy calls for one gnar beside, but Henry reasons this could mean anything, and perhaps the gnar could be dead beside them. Ripred points out that this is unlikely given Henry's last attack. <laughs> Luxa says they killed five rats earlier, but Ripred dismisses this, saying, You mean the idiots that I handpicked for cowardice and ineptitude? Oh yes, bravo, your highness. That was a masterly piece of combat. Which is great, because it's just so sarcastic. But more seriously, I've, like, never understood this part. Uh-huh. In all my times reading this, I have never understood who these five rats were. Because, like, were they just part of his little rebel pack? Mm-hmm. We learn later that Rip Red kind of just lives in the Deadland with some other rats that are, like, kind of his buddies. Right. So, like, were these five rats from there? And, like, if so, why was he so ready to sacrifice them? Why did they need to be sacrificed? Yeah, that's such a, like, a fucking cold thing to say. Like, I mean, he could have meant it or not meant it. But, like, why did Rip Red bring five rat buddies to be killed? Right. And what, when were they, like, how were they killed? Were they trying to stop them from getting somewhere? Did they just attack? The humans and bats and roaches were just chilling on the side of this river, and suddenly the rats appear, and, like, Rip Red yells to kill Gregor, and they, like, come after him. Oh, right. And that's when Gregor runs and goes to the spiders, and we don't see the rats get killed, but Luxa says here that they killed all of them except Rip Red. And yeah, that... That's a weird thing to do. Like, did he want to test Gregor? I have yeah. no clue. Because, like, 
because Vicus, we later learn, has been planning this meetup with Rip Red for uh-huh. two years. So, like, why did Vicus kill Rip Red's rat friends? Right, Rip Red's just like, okay, two years, that could, I can definitely find five guys who can die then. Yeah, I, but, like, why? Maybe he genuinely, like, when he said he handpicked them for cowardice and aptitude, maybe he literally just wanted them killed but couldn't do it himself. That's what I was thinking. Uh-huh. That's what I'm thinking. Like, was Rip Red just trying to get rid of some of his pack without causing suspicion? Right, which is really fucked up, but... That's brutal. Yeah. But he, I feel like he would do it. But yeah, it is like, it's a weird to have to put that together. Like, I still, I'm like, really? There was no purpose beyond having them, like, throw themselves at the swords of the Underlanders? Yeah. And, like, why did Rip Red tell them to kill Gregor? Like, wouldn't these rebel rats also share Rip Red's ideology of, right. like, the warrior is gonna maybe help them overthrow King Gorger? Well, do they know he's the warrior when he says that? Yeah. Um, does he does he literally say kill the warrior? I think oh, so. Nice. Well, I guess he does. He does emphasize following orders. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like so confused by this. Right. Yeah. That seems like a, a weird little blip. <clears throat> like two years ago when they agreed to do this, was Vicus literally just like, hey, Rip Red, meet me in this very specific spot if the warrior ever shows up. And if so, like, bring some guys so we can stage an elaborate prank on him. <laughs> Maybe he didn't even say bring some guys. And Rip Red was just, I, like, I have a fucking fun idea. <laughs> I'm gonna prank Vicus by bringing some rats and pretending that I want to kill the warrior. Yeah, this is, all of us gonna think this is so funny and hot. <laughs> <laughs> Go. Oh god. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I've never in all of my years reading and rereading this book, I've never understood why Ripred brought five rats to die. Yeah. I guess the most straightforward explanation is that he thought they were some kind of liability and he was trying to get rid of them anyway. Uh-huh. And maybe if they did succeed in killing the warrior, it would mean he wasn't really the warrior. Ooh, that's a fun test he might have been doing. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, Merith backs Luxa and Henry up by saying they killed Shed and Fanger, and Ripred comments on the two rats' lack of sobriety. <laughs> I need to know what the rats are <coughs> getting high on. Really true. I never considered that. Or drunk on. Right. Like, what? Are they getting alcohol from the humans somehow? Are they somehow <laughs> brewing their own? I mean, I guess anyone can ferment right things into alcohol. I think, aren't there some animals that'll, like, eat fermented fruit and just go nuts? Oh. I feel like I've heard of this. I bet you're right. I mean, dolphins will, like, go after po- poisonous things to, like, get high off Oh, of yeah. It. Have you heard about this? I have heard about this. But, like, I think maybe maybe they're just eating cave mushrooms. Oh. <laughs> maybe Shed and Fanger are just tripping. Yeah. Constantly on cave mushrooms. I'm gonna believe that. I like that. Maybe Shed and Fanger are acid casualties. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just love the idea that the rats are getting high or drunk on something. Right. Because this is never brought up again. Even the humans don't really drink. Yeah, no, I don't think it's ever mentioned. (laughs) Like, this is the one time that anyone talks about sobriety or lack thereof. Yeah. Just a neat little piece of world building for my friend there. Ripred addresses Gregor as the warrior and asks if he also refuses to travel with him. 
Vicus tells him he needs Ripred to find his dad, and we get this internal monologue from Gregor. Gregor had only been in the Underland a few days, and he already despised rats. They had killed Luxa's and Henry's parents, imprisoned his father, and almost eaten him in boots. He felt a kind of power surging through him when he thought of how much he hated them. But if all rats were bad, who was this strange creature staring at him from across the fire, offering to be their guide? Nice. I love this. Because this is just like more on the theme of who are the bad guys, and if the rats are the bad guys, are literally all of them bad? Because we've got Rip Red now, and soon we're gonna get if the humans are good guys are they all good because right we got a bad human coming up here (laughs) (laughs) but it is interesting to think about how gregor has already been fed this like anti-rat propaganda yeah like he has a personal stake because his father got kidnapped by rats but he hasn't like lived here like luxa and henry have yeah but and he already is feeling so much hatred yeah just from like it's interesting how it talks about how he feels a power surging through yes when he thinks about his hatred which is like intense like the fact that he that he acknowledges that it feels good to hate these people who he doesn't really know right like he's getting a certain power from cultivating this hatred of like an entire group of beings Mm -hmm. and he's been taught this even in just the short amount of time that he's been with the regalians right the anti-rat propaganda machine is working yes (laughs) you are not immune you are anti-rat propaganda Gregor asks Ripred what's in it for him, and he explains he wants to overthrow the current rat king, Gorger, and he needs Gregor's help, though no one knows exactly what Gregor is supposed to do. Gregor is angry because this isn't what he signed up for, and he asks to talk to Vicus alone. The two walk away from the group, and Gregor asks how long Vicus and Ripred have been planning this meetup. Vicus says about two years, so Gregor demands to know why he didn't tell him about it sooner. Vicus says, I do not believe in giving people more information than they can handle, which is just (laughs) chef's kiss, the perfect summary of Vicus. Yeah, I love him in this chapter, how he says such dickish things, but he tries to say it in like a reasonable way. I feel like the first time I read this, I was like, wow, nice old mentor Vicus. And now I'm rereading it and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, literally me. I mean, because he really is, he comes across as this like, old mentor figure you know he's the chiron he's the dumbledore Mm -hmm. he's whatever but like he really is withholding a tremendous amount of information from gregor under the guise of gregor can't handle the full truth but like who is vicus to say what gregor should and shouldn't know that's so true he doesn't he hardly knows gregor and also i'm just thinking about how he like like, I'm sure Rip Red was expecting something like this, but the fact that Vicus, like, set him up to just, like, have everybody immediately be super hostile to him is just such a shitty thing to do. You're right that he also could have been setting Rip Red up for better success by warning everyone ahead of time that this was going to happen let them get used to the idea that they're going to be traveling with a rat. Right, instead of just, like, immediately saying everything they hate about Rip Red to his face. Yeah. And he just has to quip. Yeah. I mean, I guess Rip Red probably doesn't care one way or the other. Yeah. 
but it definitely would have helped Luxa and Henry. That's true. He, yeah, he also needed to spring it on them. And what I really, I think my favorite, I guess we're going to get there, but my favorite Vicus moment in this chapter is when he reveals that Luxa is his granddaughter, like at yeah. the most fucking strategic moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Vicus says this thing about how he doesn't want to give information Gregor can't handle. And then there's this great line. Who says I can't handle it? I can handle it, said Gregor, obviously not handling it. Yes. (laughs) Which is just great. It's just a funny line. That one's good. Vicus tells Gregor he might have told him about Ripbread if they'd finished discussing the prophecy, pulling the old, well, you didn't ask, line on him. Gregor pulls out the scroll and demands they finish analyzing it now. He confirms that Ripred is the Nar beside, and his dad is the one lost up ahead. The next line says eight will be left at the end of the quest, meaning four of the twelve mentioned in the prophecy will die along the way. When they get to the last stanza, which describes a choice made by the last who will die, Vicus admits no one knows what this means, but he pleads with Gregor to complete the quest for the sake of the Underland. Gregor thinks Ripred is going to kill them all, and Vicus reassures him that Ripred isn't like other rats, explaining that when he and Solovet were younger, there was peace between their species, and Ripred wants to restore that peace. Then Vicus says that if he didn't trust Ripred, he wouldn't leave his granddaughter in his care, and this is when we learn that Vicus's daughter Judith was Luke's mother. I love that. He's just like, first of all, revealing that like he cares about Luxa. Second of all, revealing that he has also lost somebody. And I like that he reads the part of the prophecy to Gregor about people dying when they're already, they've already like sunk cost fallacy. They've already gotten this far. He knows Gregor's not going to say no, let's turn around and go home. Exactly. It's, it's all just, he's just so good with the reveals. Yeah. Like you said, his whole thing is like, I don't believe in telling people more than they need to know. Yeah. Which he says as like in a he says it like he's being kind to mm-hmm. people by doing this but he's really just manipulating people like mm-hmm. he was perfectly fine to let the prophecy go unanalyzed until gregor brought it up and you're right that he sprung this information about being luke's grandfather at an opportune time like he might have just kept this information to himself if it hadn't been to his benefit to reveal this to Gregor to help convince him right to go with Ripred. I'm just a harmless old grandpa. Yeah, you die on my quest. <laughs> <laughs> and like I think we talked about this in one of the earlier chapters. After Gregor gets back to Regalia after trying to escape and like running into the rats, Vicus reveals that Luxa's parents died from rats but he leaves out the fact that that's his daughter that he's talking about and he's just leaving that out so as not to be like emotionally vulnerable I guess maybe it's like to seem more impartial and like he's still being the wise old dude he's like I have no horse in this race I'm just protecting Luxa right yeah this read through I've just been like so like I've got my eye on like <laughs> like he is he is up to something he's manipulative anyway Gregor finally relents and agrees to go with Ripred but he asks is there anything else I need to know that you haven't told me which is a very good thing to ask a guy like Vicus <laughs> yeah unfortunately Vicus being Vicus he doesn't actually answer the question he just says 
I knew you were the warrior from the first moment I spied you. But, like, there's a ton of stuff he could tell Gregor right now, including, but not limited to, there's another few prophecies about the warrior after this one, so I'm pretty sure you're not gonna die on this quest. And actually, the last prophecy about the warrior says you will die, so I'm pretty sure you're not going to die until then. I fucking did- I did not even think of that. That's so messed up. Because Vicus really just saw Gregor, and like he says here, I knew that you were the warrior from the first moment I saw you. But he's also, from the first moment he saw Gregor, he knew that's the warrior, that kid's gonna die in a few prophecies. Right, but he's not gonna tell him until the last prophecy. No, of course not. Oh my god. Because that's not information he needs to know. Oh my god. That's not information he can handle. (laughs) Literally. Dang. I kind of hate Vicus. Yeah. He's so... Like, there is something to be said for, like, not springing all of that on Gregor. Right. And it's, like, a lot of info. But it's gonna be a lot of info no matter what. And it's probably better that he just knows ahead of time that all of this is gonna happen. Right. Like, he's not hiding it to, like tell it to Gregor when he can most deal with it. He's hiding it so he can tell it to Gregor when it's, like, most advantageous for him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'm still imagining him as Morgan Freeman from the Lego movie. (laughs) (laughs) Gregor just says, thanks, great, that's very helpful, because he's a match for Rip Red in the sarcasm department. (laughs) They return to the group, and Gregor says he and Boots are going with Rip Red. The crawlers say they'll follow the princess. Luxa figures she has to go because she can't go back to Regalia and tell her people that she abandoned the quest. Vicus starts to tell her she has a choice, but Luxa gets upset because she doesn't think she has one. The flyers agree to go with their bonds. Vicus tries to say goodbye to Luxa and Henry, but neither will look at him or talk to him, which is brutal. Yeah. Gregor is still upset about the Rip Red thing himself, but he wants to scream at Luxa to say something to her grandpa because she might not come back alive from this quest. Still, Gregor isn't quite ready to forgive Vicus for abandoning them either. But then he thinks about the last two and a half years without his dad, and all the things he wished he'd said to him, and as the adults take off, Gregor returns Vicus's fly you high. And this is the first time Gregor says that. Oh, I didn't realize that. I love that moment. Even though I hate Vicus, I love that Gregor is still like, no, I'm not gonna leave this on these terms. Yeah, especially because Luxa and Henry are straight up just not talking to him. You've got to think Gregor is feeling for Vicus in this moment. Which is so big hearted of him. He's like, this dude is fucking me over, but man... Like, he understands, even though he's mad at Vicus, he understands that it hurts that Luxa and Henry won't talk to him. Yeah. Especially because, like, four people are going to be dead by the end of this quest. Right. And he doesn't know it. It it won't be all three of them. Yeah. I mean, actually, this is the last time Henry is going to see Vicus. Oh, goddamn. Like... I feel like he'd want to go out on that note with Vicus. He's not even his grandpa. Yeah. What does it matter? (laughs) But yeah, that was chapter 19. That's how it ends. Damn. So chapter 20 begins with Rip Red telling the kids to get some rest. So Gregor and Boots lie down on a blanket. Tick and Temp position themselves on either side of them to keep watch. Luxa refuses to lie down and Aurora wraps her wings around her. Ares stands with his back against Aurora and Henry lies down at his feet. 
Gregor thinks even with all these precautions, Ripred could still kill all of them easily, and once he realizes he has no choice but to trust Ripred, Gregor can actually relax. He drifts off and wakes later to Ripred smacking his tail on the ground and telling the kids to feed themselves. Gregor realizes they'll have to prepare the food themselves now, and he asks Henry how he wants to handle it. Henry says, Luxa and I do not serve food. We are royalty. <laughs> and Gregor replies, Yeah, well, I'm the warrior and Boots is a princess, and you two are going to get pretty hungry if you're waiting for me to serve you. <laughs> Love it. Go off on him. I mean, basically, Rip Red says, go off. <laughs> he laughs and says, Tell him, boy. Tell him your country fought a war so you wouldn't have to answer to kings and queens. Which is just the wildest. Rip Red, I feel like, has been, he's been so lonely. He's just been waiting to talk to people. As soon as he gets the chance, he's like, I am going to info dump. <laughs> yes! He's like, I'm pulling out all of my snarkiest lines and all of my info to show them how smart I am. All my tragic backstory. <laughs> no, we don't get that until book five. Oh, you're right. Gregor asks Ripred how he knows about, like, the Revolutionary War. <laughs> and Ripred reveals that he reads books in the Overland. And I'm like, how, though? <laughs> like, is Ripred just finding a whole... To crawl out of in some New York City library. <laughs> he's big. Like, he's not small. Nobody, it's New York. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> New York is just like that. New York is just like <laughs> But, like, seriously, I need to know how Rip Red gets up to the Overland. Because the only entrances that we know about are in Gregor's Laundry Room and Central Park. And if Rip Red came out in either of those places, he would have to, like, go somewhere to get to books to read. Right. So he would have to find an entrance that goes directly into a place. Like, he can't just go out at night. Like, there's right. people out at night in New York. Right. They're not, they're gonna be like, that's one realistic furry. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe there's just, like, an entrance in a library, and when the library's closed, he can just go up. That's what I assume, but, like, wow. Yeah, like... We get a lot of information about Rip Red that's just like, damn, I guess. Like, I guess. <laughs> we're never going to expand on that, but yeah. He contains multitudes, yeah. and we will never know the full depths of yes. that, those multitudes. Rip Red also reveals that most rats can read, but they can't hold a pen to write. Then he just tells Gregor to hurry up about the food. <laughs> Gregor goes to the packs and tries to guess how many days were- Wait, okay, actually- Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's talk about the fact that most rats can read. Yeah. Who is teaching the rats to read? I mean, maybe it's just like, like how he, maybe like a long ago, some rats learned to read and now they just teach their kids. They just pass it down. Like, but they would have had to learn from humans. Right. First. Unless perhaps the rats had their own written yeah, language. That, but then you'd think they would like be able to write it. Like it would be like a dots or something that you could pr prick out. Because I've been fucking, I'm like, how can they not write? Can't they just make a different like written word? A different writing system. Yeah. They should be able to do, like they, I think they should be able to like scratch symbols. Yeah. Don't they like later, don't they do that? Or um, is that the mice? The One of the mice scratches... Or, yeah, the mice scratch the marks of secret oh, into yeah. places. So that's kind of it. Uh-huh. But then, like, when they do the coat of claw, that's, like, in taps and scratches oh, and yeah. clicks. And there's, like, a way to 
there's a way to write that down on paper that's like in symbols of like this line means a tap this line means a scratch yeah i wonder if she just hadn't thought of that yet yeah i guess that's crazy to think about the rats having a written form of their own language before the humans showed up yeah and then they were like okay guess now we have to learn english and we have to learn how to read english that's that's but they can't write but they can't write it because the symbols are too complex that's and that's so interesting that like now that's a problem for them that the huh yeah i'm pretty fascinated by that possibility now yeah vaguely related do you know about that movie ben where michael jackson is friends with a rat no okay it was we had this cd michael jackson's greatest hits and one of them was the song ben from ben (laughs) i don't i know nothing else about the movie i've literally never heard of this in my life i just it was when he was a kid it was he was friends with a rat nobody else liked the rat i remember that from the song anyway if you're making a rip red fan Michael Jackson Ben? Yeah. <laughs> Una is Googling this live on the podcast. A 1972 American horror film. <laughs> it was a horror film? <laughs> I thought it was like a kid's movie about like unlikely friends. Yeah, the way you described it, I was like, Ratatouille with Michael Jackson? Yeah, he was singing, that was like a sad little song he was singing. <laughs> It's a sequel to the film Willard, which I have also never heard of. Oh my god, Will Wood likes that film. Why are all these musicians into rats? Willard okay. is a 1971 American horror film. I'm gonna have to look deeper into okay. this another time. Well, at a future at a future date. We, we can watch these movies. <laughs> oh, we sh- oh yes, let's let's Based on Ratman's Notebooks by Stephen Gilbert. This is a book? <laughs> did did rat did did Rip Red read it? Ratman's Notebooks is a 1968 short novel. It features an unnamed social misfit who relates better to rats than to humans. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna have to go down this rat hole later. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Back to Gregor. <laughs> that was a good day. Gregor goes to the packs and tries to guess how many days worth of supplies they have. Luxa joins him and timidly asks how to prepare the food since she and Henry have never actually done that before. I like that Luxa is kind of going against Henry and being like, you know what, I might as well learn how to make food. Right, like like Henry's being so fucking snooty and she's at least trying. Yeah, she's at least trying and she's she's admitting that she doesn't know this thing. Which has to be hard, especially in front of Gregor. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. That's a lot for her. Yeah. So Gregor because he is the son of a single mother, has learned how to make food because his mom works late and he has to make dinner sometimes. So he shows Luxa how to make a sandwich. She asks if the dish is named in honor of Bartholomew of Sandwich, and Gregor admits he doesn't know. (laughs) But do you know the the actual story? I I think so. So the sandwich, the food, is named after the town in England because John Montague, the fourth Earl of Sandwich, was this guy who gambled a lot. And when he was playing cards, he would order his valet to bring him beef between two pieces of toasted bread so he could keep playing cards <laughs> while eating and not need silverware. That's so funny. And he's like, if it's between bread, I can't. I don't get the cards greasy. <laughs> man, in a time before finger food, one brave man. <laughs> <laughs> 
So he was the Earl in the 1700s, which would have actually been after our own cult leader, Doomsday Prophet <laughs> Sandwich, left Sandwich, England, and founded Regalia. So, I mean, the food sandwich is kind of named after Bartholomew of Sandwich because he's from the same town as the guy who supposedly invented putting meat between two slices <laughs> of bread. <laughs> that's, that's really funny. I like that he came down before the sandwich was invented. Do you think they even have sandwiches in, like, maybe it's not, I mean, Luke obviously doesn't know how to cook, but maybe, like, she's literally never had a sandwich in her life. Maybe no Regalian has ever had a sandwich. No one's <laughs> ever put meat between bread before. Just, like, they gave it, like, Merith gave this stuff to Gregor, and he's like, sure, I'm sure we'll have a nice hunk of bread with a nice hunk of meat. And Gregor just comes back and, like, blows his, his mind. Like, oh, yeah, we made sandwiches. He's like, you made what? <laughs> Luke and Gregor make enough sandwiches for everyone, and Gregor takes one to Rip Red, who figures everyone else would be happy to see him starve. Gregor says, if you starve, I'll never find my dad. And Rip Red takes a moment to unleash one of the most raw lines in the entire series. Mutual need is a strong bond, stronger than friendship, stronger than love. Which is very cynical. Yeah. But, like, kind of true in this world. It's just so intense. And this line has stuck with me for years and years mm -hmm. because it hits hard every time. Ripred and Gregor don't like each other. Gregor has no reason to trust Ripred, but he has to because he needs to find his dad. And Ripred's the only way that he can do that. That's really just one of the best, I don't know, storytelling devices. It's just like the characters have to do something like you give them a strong motivation to to do something yeah it's the basis for any good enemies to allies yes storyline i feel like i feel like rip red he's not showing it but i feel like he must already respect gregor so much gregor's just like not taking any bs yeah he's like getting stuff done rip red's gotta be like man that was like me when i was a baby rat yes <laughs> when i was a young pup yes Gregor does show a lot of, like, sarcasm, and I think Rip Red must admire that, because Gregor's, like, standing up to Luxa and Henry. They're, like, both outsiders in a really different way, but they're- Yeah, they are both outsiders in this. When compared to Luxa and Henry, Gregor seems very sensible and <laughs> level-headed, even though Rip Red is, like, making fun of him and- ordering him around. I think there is probably that little shred of respect forming. Or maybe not like, maybe respect isn't the right word, but like he's interested in Gregor as like, oh, this kid has something going on. Like- I like your moxie. Yeah, exactly. You've got good attitude. Yeah. <laughs> Gregor asks if rats love, and Rip Red says they love themselves very much. But, like, we learn later that, of course, rats love, and Rip Red actually used to have a family, and they died. So I think him saying this here is just like, rats, rats love, but we're not going to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, he just loves playing this, like, he's playing it up so much, like, yeah, I'm the big evil rat. Yeah, I mean, he really is playing a character here of, like, no, I am the scary rat and you should be scared of me and you don't want to be my friend, but we need to trust each other. But I am going to like just joke with you about rats only loving themselves. Yeah, he's not taking the time to like... Ripred's basically the first rat character that we meet that is like part of the like protagonist's journey. Like 
in later books we get twitch tip and lap blood and these are rats that kind of like show us how like the full scope of what rats can be like they're just people but rip red is the first rat we meet and we don't know any of his tragic backstory he's just a jerk so for this whole book even like until we meet twitch tip it's like oh man all rats are just like snarky right but then it what was i gonna say uh, but no then it's like no he had to work for that snark he had to hone his wit yeah. <laughs> but he's also not bothering to like rip red could take the time to show Gregor that not all rats are bad, but Rip Red is just, he doesn't care right. about that. Right, he's like, I'm not gonna be your token rat. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not here to explain to you that rats are people. Like, you can believe whatever you want, but we're here for this specific quest, and we just need to make it through this, and we don't need to like each other for that to happen. So he's just playing up this character. I love him. Yeah. He's so good. He's yeah. so complex. <sighs> the whole mutual need thing comes back with Rip Red and Gregor a few times because they never really become friends. Mm -hmm. They basically only have this relationship of like, they need each other. They rely on each other. It's great. I love mm. it. Boots asks for more food and Temp offers her his saying he'll eat some of Tick's. This is actually the first time we get pronouns for the roaches, and we learn that Tick is a girl and Temp is a guy. After they're done eating, Rip Red indicates which tunnel they're going to take, and because it's too small for the bats to fly in, and they can't walk very far, they end up riding on the crawlers' backs. At first, Aurora says, flyers do not ride crawlers, which is actually her first line in the book. Oh. Aurora has not spoken up until now. Oh, that's funny. She only has, like, I think feel like three lines in this book. Yeah, I think you mentioned that. Gregor replies, why not? They rode on you. Because he's sick of people looking down on the roaches, especially because he thinks they're the easiest traveling companions out of everyone, and they look after Boots. Luxa snaps at him for being rude to the bats, and she tells him they're just nervous about being in a place where they can't spread their wings. Gregor tells them he hasn't exactly been comfortable flying hundreds of feet in the air, but then he tones it down when he realizes he's being a jerk. Rip Red tells them to hurry up again. I think Rip Red's just getting so sick of her <laughs> squabbling at this yeah. point. He's like, can we just get through the tunnel? <laughs> but Aerie says they'll ride on the crawlers. Inside the tunnel, a foul-smelling liquid drips on them from the ceiling. There's a cute exchange where Boots calls the cave icky, and Gregor agrees, and Lusa asks, what means this icky? <laughs> And Gregor gives her a bunch of synonyms. It's not important to the plot, but I couldn't not mention it. <laughs> Gregor asks Luxa why she was surprised when Rip Red showed up, because the prophecy does mention a rat. She says she thought it meant a rat would be tracking them, but not participating in the quest. Gregor points out that Vicus trusts Rip Red, but Luxa just gets upset, so he drops it. As they keep walking, more cave water drips on them and Gregor ties catch cloths around Boots' head to keep her dry, because, quote, the last thing they needed was for her to catch a cold, which she does actually later do, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. I was like, I know that's foreshadowing something. After hours of walking, the group emerges into a small cavern, and Rip Red says, there, that has done much to conceal your odor. So Gregor realizes the only reason they took that tunnel was to cover up their smell, but he's literally too exhausted to argue. 
The group eats lunch, and as they're finishing up, Aurora warns that spinners are approaching. Ripred admits he knew they were following them, but he orders Luxa and Henry to get into battle positions. When they don't move, he yells at them again, saying, This is no time to test my authority, pups. So basically, he's calling them kids here because pup is the word for a baby rat. I love that. I love that he calls them pups. Yeah. <laughs> Henry and Luxa reluctantly get into formation, and Gregor feels defenseless as he doesn't even have a root beer this time. <laughs> but then, out of the tunnel, two spiders stagger toward them and collapse on the floor. One of the spiders is bleeding, and it says, Vicus sends us, Nars attacked webs, many spinners lost, we too, we join the quest, and then dies. And that's like the second time in this book that a chapter has ended with someone coming in, giving a dramatic message, and then passing out or dying. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how shit happens in the underland. Yeah. She's like, dinner is at seven. Ah! <laughs> But that's it. That's the end of chapter 20. Dang. Lots happened. I feel like I didn't talk enough about how hot Rip Red is. <laughs> <laughs> you did not live up to your disclaimer. I'm so sorry. He's hot. I really like his book one voice because mm -hmm. it changes. It does change in the audiobooks after. I guess after he becomes like a good guy or like less morally ambiguous. Yeah, I don't know. His voice in the first book is kind of like sleazy and deep. You mean the idiots that I handpicked for cowardice and ineptitude? Oh yes, bravo, your highness. That was a masterly piece of combat. And then later it's like, it's like higher pitched and like, not whiny, but like, scratchy. Yeah, yeah. There are hundreds of prophecies predicting all kinds of things. If you wait around long enough, numerous events that resemble each and every one of them are bound to come up. I kind of like his later book voice. Whenever I listen mm -hmm. to the first audiobook, I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I just thought that was like, I'm like, oh, that's a good voice mm -hmm. for a rat. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I, I whenever I read the books, I hear his later mm -hmm. books voice in my head. Um, yeah, any other thoughts on these two chapters? Ooh. We got so much Rip Red characterization. Yeah, he because he just loves he just loves like these significant lines. He's having I didn't realize the first time he's having so much fun with these kids. He's he like is. they've these they've never met a rat that wasn't trying to kill them. He's having such a good time. He's having a blast. He's dominating the chapters. Right. I mean, he's like literally in charge. Like they cannot continue. He was their guide. He's like these. They can't leave. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do all my improv. I'm gonna. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's great. And then there's Vicus. Yeah. Oh god. Got some Vicus characterization. This is not related to anything, but one thing that I liked when I read this was when. Gregor has to talk to Vicus and they like go away to talk. He says they go 20 yards away. I'm like, finally, a respectable distance to like have a separate conversation where like, you know, on a TV show, they're like, we should go somewhere else. And then they walk like to the doorway of the yes! room. I'm like, yes. I'm like, thank you for actually going far enough away yeah. to have a private conversation. I also liked that <laughs> the book included a specific distance. Just helps me visualize. Yeah. Because they yeah. really are like very separated from the group. Right. Which also means that they're standing, like, in the dark. Like, oh. I'm sure that one of them brought a light, but to it's not described. But if they're, like, far enough away from the fire, that must feel, like, really dark. Yeah, with just probably just enough light to read the prophecy. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. 
And soon we're going to meet, oh my god, there was Gox, and who's the other one? Treflex. Treflex. I think Treflex is the one that just died. Oh, yeah. And Gox is about to, like, feast on Treflex's corpse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we're in the home stretch of this book. Yeah. It moves. I f- it moves fast. I was I talked about this last episode too, but like this book really is two whole acts of exposition. Right. And it only starts the quest starts in earnest in the last nine chapters. Right. We're just gathering forces until the last nine chapters. And it's especially it's so weird now that I've read the other books. And there's just, like, so much more going on. It's weird to read this book and, like, wait, we don't know this person yet? We don't know this happens yet? Like, there's so much more to come. Yeah. Truly, this book is almost like a prologue to the other books. Yeah. This is just, like, the intro. This is the tutorial level. Because the other books, the quests take up a huge portion of the books, and they get started right away. I think with all of the three middle books, it's basically, like, we get a little time in regalia, we learn the prophecy, we go on the quest. Marks of Secret, there's more time in Regalia because we have like Hazard's birthday party. Oh, right. And we don't think that we're on a quest in that one, but then later it turns out that there is a prophecy. <laughs> but definitely books two and three are like, Gregor's here, show him the prophecy, go on the quest. We only get back to Regalia at the very end. They're much more involved. And in this one, it's like a whole act of Gregor just like getting to know Regalia And then the second act is like gathering the different species and kind of learning a little bit about each species. And then the third act is like, okay, we're all here. Let's find Gregor's dad. Right. And it happens pretty quick. We're basically about to go into like properly the rats territory and meet some enemy rats and stuff. Yes. But yeah, thanks so much for joining me, Nathan. Thank you for having me. It's good to be. It's good to be here. I'm glad I came all the way out. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you brought your rip red opinions. <laughs> I think you're probably not alone. In, I'm, oh yeah, in your hot takes on rip red. <laughs> Next week's episode will cover chapters 21 and 22. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram and Tumblr at Return to Regalia. And until next time, fly you high. Fly you high.